Infiltration is leaving competitive fighting games for the rest of 2018 and 2019. Panda Global has released both video and written statements of their findings with the Korean player situation. Plus, Capcom trolls us all with confetti. Kami appears to be even better than she used to be. Chris T says sayonara to Daigo's sponsorship and more on this episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, and welcome to a special edition of the Event Hubs podcast for Thanksgiving. And we wanted to open up this year just kind of saying thanks to everyone out there who's been listening to us. We've um, we started up the pod this year. Uh, we've jumped already to a few thousand listeners on the average, which is great. Uh, it's, it's really wonderful that people don't mind hearing the annoying sound of my voice each week and coming through. And uh, so anyway, uh, but being Thanksgiving, I wanted to give a special sh- uh, shout out to those people listening. And of course, those people reading our website and just say like how thankful I am that I'm able to do this for a living. And I mean, man, it's, it's been, you know, uh, almost, you know, 11 years now going on um, that I've been doing this like full time. And I left my job at the newspaper to go do this. And uh, I've had other opportunities to do things, but nothing has felt quite like the fighting game community. And I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to do this all the time. It's just, this is my home. You know, this is um this is where I want to be, and I I'm yeah I'm just I'm really thankful this year that I that I'm able to do this. You know, when we first started this, uh, and we were talking about okay, so what realistic numbers do we think we're going to get? I was erring on the side of maybe thirty or forty people will listen to our to our podcast on a weekly basis, and you guys have blown that out of the water. Like John said, we're we're aiming for a couple thousand downloads per episode now, and. Um, and that's really encouraging. I'm actually, I'm super thankful for this podcast. It's one of, if not my favorite things, uh, work related uh, during the week. It's, it's just a, it's a really cool time and it's a different medium. It's a, it's a change of pace. And, and I really didn't, like you said, you know, I didn't, I didn't think people were going to be super interested in, in listening to us talk and whatnot, but uh, evidently there, there's enough of, um, people like it. And, and I'm so happy that, that we have that nowadays. And, you know my relationship with the the readers um, and, the, and the I guess the event hubs content consumers, if you will, is is usually just through comment sections. And every once in a while, I get a PM from a fairly avid reader and and things of that nature. But a lot of times, if you've ever been to a comment section, especially <laughs> event hubs comment section, things can get pretty gnarly pretty quickly. And Oh, seeing yeah. the the reviews that have popped up and 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 I know that this is like I said a different medium where you can kind of get more of people's personalities and and it's a different look a different angle it's been really nice the the interactions that I've had with people especially um, derived from from podcast um, um, happenings have been very positive and very nice and and so yes I'm I, I can't really express it through words, but I really, really appreciate you know what this is and everybody that's been listening and everything and um, and yeah. So happy Thanksgiving and thank you all so much. Yeah, I've got a funny story to share. Uh, I've got three kids, uh, as the listeners know, I think, and uh, I put my podcast or I put our podcast on. I should say it's my podcast now. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> I put our podcast on uh, when I'm driving in the car and you know picking my kids up from school, doing oh, the you normal make stuff. them listen to it and. <laughs> so I'm t- well, I'm listening back, you know. I'm, I'm and but uh, my my oldest son, he's 11, and and he's like, Daddy, like you're you're on the radio, and I'm like, Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like it, it's I don't often try to impress people, you know, but my kids are like someone I, I do want to impress, and I remember hearing a story like about Ben Affleck, like playing Batman, he, and it was 
like he's a very accomplished actor and director now and i mean just a mega superstar and and they were kind of wondering like why why the heck would you go play batman and he's like he's like guys i've got kids like my kids like point up at the screen and they go dad you're batman and he's like yeah i know and it's that, that like sense of satisfaction is really cool and it's it's been one of the cool, like cooler things about the pod is like, you know, being able to play it for my family and, and, you know, this, this nerdy guy who spent all this time up in his room on his computer, like pretty much constantly, uh, and my family not really understanding, you know, uh, computer stuff and all that kind of stuff. And and having some interesting comments over (laughs) the years that did go away, you know, once, once success hits, no one really argues with that anymore. Right. But, um, it's it's been a really kind of cool thing to show them more tangible stuff coming out of it and even them just like hearing me talk they're like oh wow that's like a Jew on the radio and I'm like yeah just you know it's just playing it through you know bluetooth on my my cell phone and it's all you know but it's it's cool it, it's it's one of those like little things that that jump out at you and and do kind of make you appreciate a little bit more of of just being able to do that, just being able to you know, go out and reach people and, and touch your lives a little bit and, and have a little bit more, you know, to show your family like, hey, uh, I, I'm actually doing stuff like I'm not just, you know, huddled in the dark anymore. <laughs> I'm actually reaching people and trying to talk to them and, and all that. John's but, our but Batman. Yeah. So, I'm so proud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so we are going to be at Capcom Cup officially. We are officially official now. And if you guys see us there, guys and gals, uh, please do feel free to come up and say hi. Uh, I am thrilled to meet the fans that we have out there. Um, it's just, that's why it's a huge part of why we do this is, is you know, to, to reach out to you people out there and just, you know, see you. So if you, if you, you know, don't mind, you know, taking a few minutes of your time, come up and talk to me for a few minutes. I'd be happy to, you know, hear your thoughts or questions or anything that, that you have about the pod. Uh, unless you want to punch me in the face and please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you could do that to John though. Um, he doesn't mind the face punches so much, Ooh, wow. but anyway, but if you guys, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, if you guys do want to come up actually and say hi, um, I know that both he and I will very much appreciate it. And, you know, we're just going to be running around, you know, doing coverage at the event and, uh, and we're always happy to hear from the fans. Again, gigantic reason why we do this is you guys yep and john uh catalyst i should say will sign your fight stick for five dollars and i'm the money handler for that so if you want to just go ahead and you give me the five dollars i'll give him the okay and he'll go ahead and sign it please bring your own sharpie (laughs) all right so moving along now uh i actually really hate confetti now at this point in time you and Um, me both man yeah Watching the Red Bull uh, Conquest tournament this weekend, everyone was pretty hyped up about a teaser, and that's what we were expecting, and instead Ono... So what jumped out at me here is Ono's history of taking his little Blanca doll and putting it in the photos that he takes. And usually when he does that, he's showing off something. Not always, but some. usually he's showing off something. And so in one of the photos... He points his camera down at the ground at the floor where it's just covered with confetti. And in there is like, what is it? White, uh, blue, yellow. And then like every now and again, there's like some like red pieces of confetti in there. And people even picked up like the red confetti and took like close up shots of it and, you know, tried to find something there. Uh, It was maybe the most obscure tease I've ever seen from Capcom. If it it was a tease. It was a tease, yeah. It, it's I, I just I assume it is because Ono put his little doll up there, and it's like that's what he does when he kind of wants to tease something. Uh, that's kind of the history there. So yeah, uh, I we kind of fell back on the fact that Akuma and Sakura, like their hints were just like hit you right in the face obvious that's exactly what they were going for uh you knew right off pretty much exactly what it was sakura was a little bit more like 
uh, inconspicuous, but not much if you're pretty much a fan of the fighting games, like you know Cherry Blossoms are, you know, an indicator of her. Um, so I think maybe they might have went for something more obscure here and maybe went too far and like, oh, they're like, hey, people are definitely going to figure this out. This color scheme means like it's Sodom or it's Rose or it's Yun and Yang or whomever. And it's like, I don't, I don't think anyone has any solid theories on what the heck it could be. It's very, very, very obscure. Uh, and it might be, it's so obscure, it might be nothing as all as you mm-hmm. say. Yeah, and, and a lot of the fighting game social media community is going in on this one way or another, probably just more so mocking it, which that's understandable, right? Because there really isn't any any concrete takeaway that can come out of this. And Capcom doesn't want a concrete takeaway to come out of this. They just want, if if they are doing something, if this is some kind of a hint, the red confetti within the majority, which which looks just like Capcom colors, right? But with some mm-hmm. red sprinkled in. And Red Bull colors. And too, Red Bull matter. and... Uh, guilty point of that. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, there's Yun and Yang colors. Technically, there's uh, Abel has a mm-hmm. has a red stripe on his on his shorts, right? <laughs> so that could make it Abel colors. Right. In fact, um, I think Gustavo eight to one Strider said something to the effect of, "If it's Abel, and and he's revealed at Capcom Cup, I'm going to tornado throw the closest cami player to me, which is hilarious because if you don't, I mean, if, for those of you that don't know, Gustavo is a uh, a really buff dude. And um, anytime mm-hmm. he's not in training mode, he's at the gym for sure. It's got to be a secret. And it, it, you could just see him because he could actually do that kind of a thing. Grab someone like CJ Truth, spin him around his head a few times and toss him. And CJ deserves it for being a cami player. We'll get to more on him a little bit later. But the point is, it's been, uh, people have been speculating and there is no right answer yet, right? Like there's no, it's no code or riddle that you could solve and realize, oh, it's Rose or oh, it's Dudley or whomever. What, you know, it's. It's just to get people talking, and I think it has achieved that. Furthermore, we do know that something's coming at Capcom Cup, right? Like, there is something along the lines of, of like, look mm-hmm. forward to that. Um, Xkira saying a double reveal is what he thinks is going to happen there. And Xkira keeps getting, like, more and more accurate. Uh, it seemed like, I don't want to cut you off too much here, just, like, he, he predicted a lot of things that never happened, and then now basically all the stuff he predicted is starting to happen. The dude, okay, so for a while he was he was leaking stuff, and it seemed like, this was, like, maybe a year and a half ago or so, he was leaking stuff, and, and sometimes it would kind of come to fruition, sometimes not so much, but... As much as a year and a half or more ago, he said something to the effect of a dojo mode. And we're like, okay, well, that'll mm-hmm. be cool. And we only got that, what, like a month or two ago? And but but so he's had this huge backlog of predictions that really haven't we haven't seen any action from. Now all of a sudden, thing after thing after thing, and all he has to do is go and quote where he said it on his timeline or on his Twitter feed. And there you go. His resume has gone from like a C plus to an A. Uh, almost overnight mm-hmm. and, and reveal after reveal these Resident Evil costumes, the holiday costumes he called the um, the characters, specific characters for the holiday costumes. Obviously, he's called Dojo Mode. He said, uh, I mean, there's there's plenty of stuff. But yes, as far as Capcom Cup goes, he's been doing this two goddesses thing. Um, he has his profile picture as Rose. He has uh, his banner picture on Twitter as C Viper, which is interesting, and also a character that a lot of people have mm-hmm. wanted to see. Not me. In fact, a little aside here: if Rose and Viper are the two reveals, it's going to be a bad day for me. Those are like two of my most hated characters from Street <laughs> Fighter Four. They were very bad matchups for my character. Did not have good times playing people like Filipino Man and, and Latif and whatnot. But I digress. Anyways, it's really looking like uh, Excura 
has got Capcom's number, they're going to have to start talking to him and paying him or something to stop <laughs> releasing all of their content moving forward because it looks like he's figured out Street Fighter V and we're basically getting our news from him, at least as of late. Uh, so we're definitely going to see something at Capcom Cup. That's my bet. And uh, it's probably going to be two characters and even less so for certain. Uh, I think it'll probably be Rose and Sea <sighs> Viper. Yeah, I'm actually hype about Sea Viper as well. I, I love that character in Street Fighter 4 because she was so very technical and she had a good reward with her. And I, I when you have a technical character that doesn't have good reward with them, why have yeah. them in the game? Uh, it, it's it's like, okay, hey, uh, if you can you know juggle 15 things at once uh, and you you might be able to compete with a mid-tier character now. You know, it's like, come on. It's like, in, it's one of the things I don't want to go too much into this because we've, we've been over it many times before, but it's Monad. It's, you don't want to go too far with technical characters and make them too bad because the incentive to play them completely goes out the window at that point. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see Viper because I think, one, she fits the Street Fighter V motif very well. I think she's a natural fit for the game, uh, much like Dudley would be, and I, I hope he's at it as well for uh, Dream King. We'll get very hype about that. Um, uh, but it's a good technical flashy character is kind of what the game doesn't have enough of right now. There's a few of them in the game, but a good like, oh, wow, that's impressive they landed that combo. Um, you know, that that Viper had that ridiculous like faint into ultra, like it was like stand fierce, faint, cancel, do an ultra or whatever, really hard combo to do. And when you saw that in tournament, you were very impressed by it. I want that back. I want, and that's I'd love to see Viper again, just to see that hype. Uh, Latif is one of my favorite players ever. Uh, Wolf Crone, I loved his Viper. Uh, just those, those Viper players were so flashy, and the, man, they got you hype. Like, and it was, it was a good natural. Like you appreciate it wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily Abigail hype. You know, <laughs> where you're, you're you're pretty much watching someone get robbed, and you're like, oh, um, like. Viper could rob you too, but you there was more appreciation for her robberiness, if you want to say that. But, but yeah, yeah, she had a bit of a I I don't know if you really call it a vortex, but she definitely knocked you down and made you guess a whole bunch of times into itself. So I mean, technically that's sort of a vortex. Um, she was she was scary, but yeah, she was all over the screen, and you do see some echoes of her at least her her visual style in G with his flaming. Uh, flying mm -hmm. kicks and and his quick moving across the screen seems like a little bit of inspiration from Sea Viper through him, but that doesn't mean she can't be in there too. So hey, let's let's get some Sea Viper in Street Fighter Five and watch the world burn. Mm. <laughs> uh, speaking of Rosa, real quickly before we move right along, I will mention to the readers that I'm actually going to pick up the PC version of Street Fighter V if Rose is confirmed for the game and completely restart over and go to that. And so I'll be relaying updates here like about like input delay. Um, I've got a nice beefy PC for, you know, uh, doing work on event hubs and I've got a perfect rig to play it on and I'm, you know, should have a better frame rate, should be less input delay, uh, should be a, just a better experience because, you know, PC hardware, if you have it, is quite a bit more powerful than a PS4 at this point in time. Uh, so I'll be, you know, letting the listeners and the readers know to some extent like how my experience goes so you know cross your fingers uh let's hope rose is announced if not i'm gonna stick with monat i've got a lot of points with her uh i don't really want to you know transition and lose all my dlc and all that stuff but but there you um, go on the uh on the grind note or the the status of you know where we're at as far as playing which is i think kind of what you alluded to at least a little bit there uh, we talked was it last week or the week before about some specifics in how to uh, train yourself or, or what fighting games kind of lack right in the in the very fundamental mm -hmm. basics and that's been something that 
uh, I, I mean, I've been more or less aware of, but haven't been focused directly on until recently. I started doing that and practicing what I'm preaching, guys. So, you know, you can hold me to it. And I have seen uh, a lot more success playing online and offline. Uh, obviously, I play a little more online, but playing uh, grinding with intent, trying to focus directly on things like just staying on the ground and controlling the space in front of me and manipulating my uh, my opponent with all the things that we talked about in that previous pod. Um, I've, I've seen a lot more growth and I'm up to... I'm almost up to 62,000 now. Uh, I keep getting right within wow. grasp and then I'll lose to somebody and then and then you know work starts or whatever and I'll have to stop. But <laughs> but I've seen a lot of success. So theory putting into action uh, it, it's working. So I continue to uh, encourage you guys to do the same thing and and go back and listen to what we were talking about um, if you haven't already heard it because it seems like it's really paying off. And actually, on that note, if you ever have questions for us, uh, hit us up on Twitter. It's the best place to, to locate us. Um, we check our notifications quite a bit. Uh, that's good and not, bad. Not if the you event hub Twitter, notifications. though, right? Because the... Yeah, um, our personal ones. Um, so Catalyst EH and then Velociraptor with a one instead of the I. Um, and yeah, just hit us up there. And we're, we're checking them pretty much constantly. And we'll respond back to you there. And we, you know, we look through the comments of the story, but sometimes we might miss them if you know the story gets a little bit older. But if you have questions or you have feedback or you have a specific topic you'd like us to address, uh, that's the best way of doing it. it. Less so like, you know, hey, can you talk about like, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller and all that? <laughs> like, uh, no, I mean, we could, but we're not going to really get into that. But there's something specific like, hey, um, what's going on with the character customizations in Soul Calibur 6? Are those going away at some point? What have you guys heard from Bandai Namco, et cetera? Uh, we might not have an answer right away, but that's stuff we can reach out to the companies and, you know, talk to them and say, hey, you know, what what's your guys' response to this and, and try to get you guys a better answer put it up on the website talk about it on the pod uh yeah so if you guys ever have questions let us know and then also for capcom cup we're going to be tweeting out a ton of stuff if they have a new build there for street fighter 5 like we assume they're going to with balance changes and all that john and i are going to be tweeting out stuff pretty much constantly um almost all that's going to be going up on the website as well we're going to be getting player interviews like we're going to just be kind of content horse for lack of a better term uh and going out there and really grabbing as much material as we can for the fighting game community so um yeah follow us on twitter hit us up there if you have questions or thoughts uh we're happy to see it as i said we're happy to interact with the fans unless you think we're horrible terrible people then yeah, you can go tweet at like SRK or something. <laughs> you know, deal with them, <laughs> but yeah, if you, if you actually like us and, and can you know you know say some nice stuff, like then we're happy to address you. Shoutouts to Ian to the max. Oh boy, <laughs> oh I'm not. Gonna what else is going on in the speaking, news, John? Yeah, speaking of crap. Um. Anyway, Red Bull. <laughs> wow, we just alienated <laughs> yeah. ourselves from half of the, the. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, no, no, so, uh, Red Bull. Um, Red Bull had a really bad tournament this last weekend with Conquest. They had multiple things. So one of the things that happened there was uh, they had multiple top eight matches off stream, which is just a gigantic no-no. You can't have that happen. Uh, I don't know the reasons why. They weren't exactly forthcoming with that. They had really weird scheduling with a pre-recorded, um, you know, they recorded the open premiere and then they streamed it kind of later on in the day when there were less people on and just was not a very good experience. And, you know, they've got the brackets up there that are being updated in real time. We've got real time results up on our website. 
it was just not a good look. It, it's it's like taking the SoCal regionals and saying, hey, we're, we're going to record all the footage and then stream it like eight hours later. I mean, results are going up on Twitter. It's 2018. Like, it's really hard to not get completely spoiled on this stuff and know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, there's still value in watching the matches, but man, it's it's a bad It's look. a spectator and, sport, man. And, and like, yeah. Red Bull jumped into fighting game esports specifically once things began to take off as spectator sports so at that point you have an even bigger obligation to your audience Uh, you need to make this a presentation that not only brings them in but keeps them and the the way this i don't think that they came up and they they started this whole thing where like okay well let's just like have most of it be off stream and we'll we'll upload footage later i think that there were probably just issues in in their approach and i think a lot of it is red bull approaches not as a fighting game entity but as a business entity that says oh we don't necessarily know what's going on here, but we know that there are people that will probably watch this, and so we will fund it, but you're going to have to put our special kind of flavor and our, our personal opinions and, and, and the way you execute all this stuff in into your production. And I think the, the result is basically this. You know, it's... it's ugh, uh, It's all over the place. And, and it led for, for production that, one, shocked people because half of the stuff wasn't going on, you know, in, in front of us. It was just like, well, and then, you know, Knuckledoo played Punk or whomever off stream. And you go like, how, that doesn't happen, you know? And um, the organization for Conquest, like I, I'm very Thanksgiving thankful that Red Bull would be here working with the FGC, working with esports, giving us opportunities, essentially getting, um, you know, all these fighting game titles in front of more people's eyes and, and growing it. And that's great. But I think that there's too much of a disconnect in their understanding, like in the way they're executing these events. And I think that they need to hire people that know what they're doing, that have been around doing this kind of a thing for a while, pay them, get them to to make the product that you know that the audience that you're going for is going to appreciate. Because right now that's not happening. Yeah, I saw some tweets from Capcom staff that alluded to me that I don't think they were very happy with how things were ran either. This was the last CPT event that you could win points at for 2018. That's a big deal. It's a North American finals. North American scene for for fighting games has the largest viewership audience out there. Uh, If you look at streams at other times in Europe, Japan, uh, any other regions, they don't have usually near the viewership that the American audience does. Uh, that's a great opportunity for Capcom to plug their products and do things and do a lot there. It's the final CPT event. That's a big deal. And, And so much went wrong with it. We kind of speculated here. We don't know that Capcom may have had something more up their sleeves in terms of a teaser. And they just kind of like, given the way the event went, they just kind of pulled it and said, nah, we'll, we'll skip it. Um, yeah, there were some comments on social media from, from Capcom staff that definitely hinted at them not being very happy with things. You think that that's, um, I hadn't thought about that before, that they actually had a reveal planned and then just chose not to last minute because of the quality. I mean, that's, that's worth some discussion. There's some merit to that idea. Yeah, yeah, it's something we talked about. It, it's we don't know. Uh, I mean, we're we're guessing here, but they've had teasers at the last two Red Bull North American events. Uh, that's exactly what we talked about quite heavily, and it was odd that we got confetti and that was it. I mean, maybe there's something in the confetti, you know, that like Rose is going to jump out of the you know floor and confetti is going to be all over the place. But I mean. It, <sighs> It, it just it seemed weird. Uh, and again, the whole event was weird. I, I will back you up and say that the matches that were on stream were great. Uh, CJ Truth was incredible. I, I actually enjoyed watching his cami play. Uh, he has a little bit of a different style, more footsie based. Again, I love footsies, all that kind of stuff. But 
Um, I, I think Red Bull really dropped the ball with this event. Uh, I normally, like the Red Bull Kumite events, I think are terrific. They're so much fun. Uh, whatever they do with their European events, I don't know, but but they're usually great. Um, but this one, it, it left a good bit to be desired. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of Cami, one of the things that I've noticed here, and I, I wanted to throw this at you and see what you feel like. On October 23rd, we got the input delay patch for Street Fighter V. It dropped our input delay about a frame. And you did an article talking about how Cammy's walk speed and her good kind of rangey pressure buttons would be an advantage for people that had less input mm-hmm. delay because she's more of, you know, those those particular things like really benefit her play style quite a bit. And since, since the patch has come out, Cammy has won one premiere event and then got second at two others. And like there has not been very many events since October 23rd. And I'm not counting online at all. I'm talking just about premiere events. Uh, she's doing very, very well right now. Uh, we just did a stat story where she's the number one character at Capcom Cup. Uh, the knock on Cammy had kind of been throughout 2018 that, okay, She's really popular. She does this. She does that. But she doesn't win. She doesn't, you know, take home, you know, the, the top prizes all the time. Like that goes to Akuma, Guile, you know, whoever, Manat. Um, but she's starting to win now quite a bit. Uh, CJ Truth definitely did not come out of nowhere. People who know the fighting game community know him very well. But you're seeing very fundamentally solid players like him, Alex Myers, uh, Zhao Hai, others do very well with Cami now. And I kind of want to throw it back at you. Obviously, you did the story. Like, what are you seeing in terms of Cami's performance at tournaments online and your respective scene? How do you feel she's doing now post-patch? Well, we only have, I guess we have two Cami players here, but we haven't seen a ton of action um, from either of them since the patch drop. So I, I can't really speak from a, a locals standpoint. Um, and then online, that's still going to introduce some lag. So it's kind of hard to use that as as a as any kind of a barometer. But we do have the examples of you know the most fresh and the most recent being CJ Truth and his specific style of being more footsies and reaction based. That was also a big thing with him, um, you know, reaction uh, EX spiral arrow, for instance, through fireballs or um, or hitting her critical. The people calling him CA Truth, right? And uh, and so I mean I, I don't know that. I mean, he's been playing the character, uh, I think, for the entirety of Street Fighter V, as far as I understand. I mean, we've seen him play before, and he's been decent. He's always been a strong uh, player, but he hasn't reached this level. Is that because he's just been training more? He went on top of a mountain, came down, and it just so you know it, it coincided with the update patch that reduced the input lag. Who knows? Or maybe it's a direct result of the input lag, which is a you know I think a, a natural place that your mind's going to go and something that you're going to have to entertain. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that one to three frames is not the biggest thing, but it's certainly, you know, when, when you're talking about fighting games, more than like three frames is an eternity, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I think that it does apply here. And I think that this very well could be uh, an outworking of, of this change, a result, I should say, of this change. And if that's the case, then CJ Truth is going to be just the first of many, I'm sure, that either climb back up out of the woodwork, even though they were before on the forefront, you know, with, with a little more success back in the day with, with games like Street Fighter 4, or, you know, maybe just rise up out of um, out of the newer player pool. But I think that we're going to see more and more players uh, that play with that style um, um, have more success. And when we're talking about Cami specifically, I mean, it, it's nothing new. She has tools across the board. One of them happens mm-hmm. to be her ability on the ground with great buttons, uh, very fast walk speed, and then the constant threat of things like, 
you know, spiral arrow and such that, that you have to still be worrying about that. So she like automatically makes you juggle a whole bunch just to begin with. Um, so yes, of course that this is going to, to help her play footsies and, um, and react to things, confirm things. That's another thing, confirmation windows, right? Because you have to see the spark of the hit. You have to see the, the technique hit and then you do the next move. You know, if it's like, um, low forward into spiral arrow, for instance, if you're talking about cami, that's going to get buffed a little bit too by this patch being updated. So I mean, across right. the board, it, it makes total sense. And while I can't say for certain that this is all like someone like CJ Truth is doing better or Cammy's doing better in general because of this patch, it definitely didn't hurt her. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that, that's that's about as far as I can go with it, though, without, you know, like jumping into just speculation, I suppose, or personal opinion. Yeah, it's uh, I'm it's for me. It's the eye test. It does seem like cami players are, if they played in that style, you you've got your YOLO cami players who just kind of do stuff. But if they're reactionary uh, footsie based players, I, I think they're buffed now, and I I think you're gonna see cami for the whole month or two left of you know her buffs being intact. Uh, I think you're gonna see her do very well, but that's not very long. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's uh we I. My goodness, I cannot see a scenario where we go into season four and Capcom's like, "Yeah, we buffed Cammy Eve again." Like, what? What? Just d- did you guys have a problem? I mean, with that? we like, felt I, we the haven't heard same anything. way this yeah. time last year, man. And <laughs> no, there's, there's, we have done too many articles on the website about Cammy usage and what, like, how unbelievably uh, controlling she is in terms of just so many people are picking her. Uh, Punk picked her. Um, I didn't even include that in my rundown of stats. Like he won the North American uh, uh, finals, uh, you know, for the CPT second time and, in and a he row. He actually I think. had, yeah, he, he had Cami again as one of you know one of his um, uh, alts, and like I didn't even include that in there because it was like an alt. It's just like no, like you, yeah, uh, you you would have to be blind not to see it. And I know Capcom play, uh, pays very close attention to the tournament scene. Uh, that's like it's they're all over that. Uh, they're very big into esports. They talk they're talking about it all the time. They're very familiar with Cami. Um, yeah, I've, I've got I've got reasons why I think Cami got buffed before, but we've been over those before. So. I would also say, just on the same note, that I think Akuma benefits in the same way. Maybe not quite as much, or maybe even more. I don't know, but he's got that really fast walk speed and great normals, and uh, and so to anything that you would say about Cami being buffed by this reduction of input lag, I think the same would kind of go for Akuma more or less, which is also a scary thought. Another thing that had come up recently is Echo Fox cutting some players who didn't perform very well in 2018, in my opinion. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere in terms of like, people are like, you cut Punk, Theo, Scar, Momochi, and Chaco Blanca. And then, of course, like outside of the fighting game community, they got rid of their Gears of War team entirely. And then their League of Legends like head coach is gone as well. Uh, and then for the Tekken team, uh, they got rid of JD, CR, and Saint. Mm-hmm. And... Something that jumped out to me, uh, a huge NBA fan, so I know Rick Fox and Jared Jeffries pretty well. Or like, I know of them. I don't know them. Um, and they're two former NBA guys, and I'm not surprised they have a harsher outlook on performance than we've traditionally seen in the fighting game community. Usually when players don't perform, it's kind of year over year. Uh, it's you're, you're given quite a bit of leeway, and then your contract is not renewed. Uh, this one seems like these guys were on for about a year, and then Echo Fox is like, look, you didn't perform well enough. We're going in a different direction. Like uh, Tokido, Justin Wong, Sonic Fox, To Kill Sage, Mewtwo King, and MK Leo are all still on the team for fighting games, and all those players have had good performances where they're at the upper, you know, part of the the um, uh, bracket. Are you know results pretty much like throughout the year, and 
just kind of came back to me thinking about the NBA in general, where if you're struggling to make it on a team, like you're trying really hard, you only get a handful of performances to make it there. And if you don't, they'll cut you. They'll get rid right of, I mean, if they have guaranteed, guaranteed contracts in the NBA and they will get rid of you if you're not on a guaranteed deal to make room for someone else, you are expected to perform or go. Um, and I'm not shocked that that management style and that outlook is kind of what these two guys have in mind because it's what they know. It's That's their background they came from. And it's so often in life where you take something you know and you adapt it to other business models or other approaches because you know it so well. It's like, why am I not going to take that and do that? And I know people are a little bit up in arms with Echo Fox cutting these players loose, uh, but you really have to go back and look at like how they performed overall. And you've got a handful of players who did not get cut, and you look at their results and you go, "Oh yeah, that's probably why." Um, and you know, there's there's some other issues I'm sure there. Um, you know, maybe you know contractually they couldn't come to an agreement on like what it should be, like what they should get salary wise, all that kind of things. I don't want to speculate too much. But just kind of the harsh nature nature of it, how many people were calling them out uh, in general, Echo Fox, just for cutting these players loose. Like, why, how could you guys do that? Like, it's like, I get it. Like, these guys come from a different background and, and they're paying good money, you know, to send these players out. Like, you better perform. Uh, and I'll talk about Punk because he's one of my favorite players in general. He spent almost the entire 2018 season playing Cami and not having success and not doing very well. And kind of the running joke now is that if he wants to lose, he'll play someone besides Karen. Mm-hmm. And and look, he really struggled. And and probably part of the pressure and the reason he struggled is he's like, look, I'm going to pick a you know a very top end tier character and try my best with them. And again, we've talked about that a lot. That does not work out all the time in the fighting game community. Probably more instances of that not working than it actually working because when you go against what your personality type is and what you go go against what you know works and what you want to do you're oftentimes setting yourself up for failure. Cami and Karen, they have some similarities, but they're they're fundamentally approached in more of a different way. Cam, uh, Karen is very footsie based and very controlling, and, and man, does does uh, I think Punk has the best Karen out there. Sorry, Bon Chan, but I think he does. And and just going away from that didn't make any sense, except for he was trying to live up to a sponsorship deal. He ended up not doing that, and he got cut from the team. Yeah, I mean, I don't know all the specifics that went into them deciding to do this, but I do remember when Echo Fox first broke out into the fighting game community and brought on like everyone that was really good at the moment. They grabbed Tokido, Justin Wong, um, Momochi, and Choco. Uh, who else was it? Um, Punk was much later, actually, right? He was because mm-hmm. he was um, sponsored at the time, I think, by PG. But, uh, uh, I mean, obviously, like, the top of Tekken, they grabbed in JDCR and Saint, um, and, and, and that's not even everybody, but there was this huge acquisition of all of these incredible players. And it was to the point where it felt like, well, <laughs> you know, it used to be there was Mad Cats and EG and then maybe Red Bull and, mm-hmm. and stuff, and, and you could actually go, what team is the strongest? You know, like, oh, it'll be interesting to see if Razor shows up and, and messes people up or, you know, it's like... Mad Cats has the advantage, but maybe not by too much, stuff like that. Echo Fox came in and just took everybody. And it was like it was like they were becoming the Yankees or something like that. But I remember feeling specifically when that happened, I was like, this this doesn't end with like I first of all, how do you support this many players on this degree? Because it looks like a big deal, right? To 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 bring all these people on and and pay them salaries and all of this, considering where fighting games are it's like yeah they're growing they're becoming bigger but we're certainly not 
at this, you know, NFL level where it felt like they were operating. And I think that they basically just bit off a much, much bigger bite than they could ultimately chew. And and now we're just kind of seeing the the results of that. Or maybe they were just thinking something along the lines of, we'll invest in this. It might blow up in the next two years. And if it doesn't, hey, we'll cut back down and maybe try again in a, a year later or something like that. But yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not super surprised to see them get rid of all of these players. Um, it's kind of crazy when you see someone like Momochi get cut from a team. You know, I mean, the guy is qualified for Capcom Cup. He's he's not the best in the world right now, but he has been the best in the world previously. And uh, you know, you never really count that kind of a of a player out. So um, I, I think that a lot of this is the beginnings and a lot of trial and error when it comes to esports in the fighting game community. You see that through the way you know Capcom has been handling different ventures. You see that now with the sponsorship deals. Um, we're, we're facing a lot of problems and issues that maybe other entities have been dealing with for a long time, and therefore there are you know rules in place and whatnot. But for the fighting game community, a lot of this stuff is new. And I think that that's pretty much what we're seeing here with um with echo fox getting rid of the majority of its of its lineup and i i think they'll they'll hang around for a while longer and they might like i said come back maybe try again in a year when when things are a little more ripe but yeah it it, it is interesting though and um i think that also kind of uh, jungle swings over to an interesting sponsorship move uh, or sponsorship dealing i should say with uh, chris t and cyg beast gaming you're familiar with that? Mm. Oh yeah, I've I've been following that on Twitter. <laughs> it's um so Chris T, this uh, this hot young player coming out of SoCal, and and he has deserved. Er, he's he's garnered a lot of attention, and and much of it is very well deserved. He's been a strong player, and and I remember him just first coming into uh, Super Arcade and and being basically an online warrior, and and not being by any means the best uh, or even close to it. But then having that thirst and, and that, that want to grow and, and just, you know, asking questions constantly, going over to Alex Valle and just talking to him like he's just anybody else and just, you know, what do I do here? What do I do here? What do I do here? How do I get better? Grinding away. And uh, Ellipses, you get to where we are now and he's sponsored by the, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe not the most prestigious of sponsors, but it's certainly a big deal. It's Daigo, you know, like the most legendary fighting game player of all time at this point. And Daigo goes, hey, come be on my team. Well, apparently there's some kind of a, of a legal uh, contractual dispute between Chris T and Psy Games, and it ultimately resulted in Chris simply just leaving the, the company. So here you have this guy that's, he's pretty good, not the best in the world, but he's pretty mm-hmm. good, and he goes, hey, Daigo and your team, you guys can shove it, because I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to go do my own thing, just, you know, right after qualifying for Capcom Cup. So... Yeah. An interesting bit of uh, well, a bit of happenings there, and some drama definitely peppered in. Although we don't know the specifics as to what they disagreed about, but there was a tweet with him talking about how Ultra David, for instance, is a very good fighting game attorney, and that he can really you know help you through anything that's going on. So I'm kind of led to believe that that might be a result of um, them dealing with the contracts with side games and such. Yeah, it could be. I I do hope that Chris Tatarian is a little bit more professional with how he handles things in the future. You are a persona out there and I get, you know, wanting to be a bit edgy and all that. We're edgy on the pod here, you know, and uh, we're definitely a persona in our community as well. But 
there's a point where you're also unprofessional when you part ways with someone and, you know, telling him, I, I think he kind of told him off a little bit and did some other stuff and kind of put some stuff out there that maybe is not the best look for him on social media. And that stuff factors in when you're picking up other sponsorships and whatnot. When it comes to his skill set, he's a very good player. As you mentioned, he's qualified for Capcom Cup now. Uh, he's going to be attending and that can scare off other people if you don't put things out there because yeah when things are good like there's no complaints no one's you know having any issues but things are always good you always run into issues with people and if your first response is to go on you know twitter and blow someone up right afterwards like that's going to scare people off it's when things are hard like don't go do that like talk with us and let's try to work through it and then like hey we had a disagreement you know, sorry about that. Like, you know, sorry, it didn't work out. Uh, you know, I left on good terms though. Like I still, you know, I, I enjoyed my time with those guys or something like something a little bit more reasonable. And I don't think the finding good community always understands that like your persona, the things you say, that stuff does matter. And, and if you're constantly blowing people up or other things, uh, that's going to come back to haunt you. And it's probably a reason how come you're not sponsored or you don't have the best of sponsorships or things like that. Um, your your words do matter. Where's the line between being a character, even a villainous character, and being entertaining in that, you know, in that realm, um, versus being extra professional? Because I do agree with you, and I do think that there's a way of handling things professionally, um, even if it doesn't seem, you know, even if it's just like you wrote this and you you copy and pasted this from a template that you can find online for when your sponsorship deals go awry or whatever, uh, and, and it doesn't feel very genuine, but it's safe, right? And it's professional mm -hmm. versus, uh, and, and he didn't, he didn't go on and I don't, I don't have it in front of me exactly what he said, but, uh, he didn't go and say like, you know, F side games and this sucks and, you right. know, eat it, Daigo, nothing like that. But he, he also made it pretty clear that they had a disagreement and instead of like, we just parted ways, my contract was up, whatever. He made it clear that there was some kind of, uh, a clash, you know? And yeah, that's not necessarily something that you want um, that either party may want just out there in, in public knowledge. And now people are wondering, they're talking about it. They're, you know, uh, who knows where the internet could go with that kind of an, that basic starting point of an idea or of a conversation. They could take it anywhere. Like, oh, I wonder the, the practices of side games are, are screwy or something like that. But that's kind of always been Chris T's MO. He's he's exactly. a young hothead that that is very clearly young. You know, he's 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 definitely for me. Chris T will always be twenty. <laughs> he's older than twenty now, but he's always going to be twenty until until he proves it otherwise. Um, very good at what he does. But then like little things like you know after he had qualified for Capcom Cup, he wasn't at North America. Um, at the uh, the finals, probably because something to do with this contract dispute. But um, right afterwards, when he had qualified because of CJ Truth um, and Punk being in grand finals and not IDOM, uh, he was uh, well. Brent, his best or good friend, took a picture of him smoking a joint. Um, well, what looks yeah. like a joint, and he just posted right up there on social media. Now, is there anything technically wrong? I mean, he's old enough. He lives in a state where it's legal. It's all good. But you know damn well that there are. A significant number of people that are going to be turned off by that and i'm not saying well you have to dance around and be uh you know make everybody happy like you know no still be true to yourself but there are certain hills you don't have to die on you know and and you can either post a picture of you doing drugs on the internet or you cannot 
uh, it's a lot easier to just not because I don't think you gain very much from from doing something like that. So just one more example, and and also people that are speculating that that might be the reason why he and then Side Games parted ways. I'm I'm almost sure that that's not the case. I don't think that that had much of anything to do with it. You were talking, yeah. You were talking a little bit ago about like where do you draw that line? How do you know what is part of like your persona in terms of like I've got a really edgy persona and. and what's like not okay um li joe he he did a pornography sponsorship not that long ago he was the first person to do the brazzers um uh, sponsorship and then like you know then the uporn stuff started kicking in and then you know the capcom pro tour like completely banned all pornography references and all that and so all those teams went away um like is that okay versus what chris t did and all that it's it's all in what kind of image you want to put out there and what you're comfortable with and what you think sponsors will or will not go for. Uh, and then also how good you are. Um, I'll, I'll say that you could put someone like Daigo out there and he could have him do some really, like he's not an edgy guy. No. <laughs> I think he's, most people call him very, very, very boring. Um, but you could put him out there and have him do some controversial stuff and he could probably get away with it based on his skill set. It's kind of like, you know, did Michael Jordan do that or did Scrub Boy 15 do that, right? It's There's a little bit of a difference there. Uh, it's That's the way things are. Uh, rich and powerful people can get away with a lot more. That's reality of our life. Um, so where would Christy draw that line? I don't know. It depends on what kind of sponsorship he is looking for. If it's a very professional and like we conduct ourselves in this way, type of you know sponsorship and we never you know put a toe outside the line like that's going to turn all those people off and you're basically taking all those people off the table now and saying like they're not going to touch you and now edgy sponsorships like someone like hey you know like a how budweiser contacts them or something you know someone that's got a little bit more personality and, and spunk to them you know they might be like hey that's what we're looking for and that's fine let's bring that into the fold um so that's what you do. You realize that when you're putting out that that stuff on social media and you're projecting that image, you're going to turn a lot of people off. And, and are you okay with that? Are, and are you okay with people going on their podcast and blowing you up for it and saying, hey, like that's kind of a turnoff. We don't like it when you do that. And and we can see why they dropped you. Like, okay. You know, um, it, and can you deal with that? And it's fine if he blows us up on Twitter again because he does that about every couple months. <laughs> and that's what he does. It's okay. You know, I don't hate Chris T in any way, shape, or form. I actually like him as a player. I respect the fact he plays Ken. I think he's a very good player and very gifted at what he does. But I can see why what he does is a turnoff for some. Yeah. And then on the other side of the coin, though, he's doing this, like you say, more edgy stuff. But then his Twitter is also filled with a lot of uh, religious stuff. And it's like, man, you are not making yourself all that marketable because a lot of these things that you're talking about there are like I was saying earlier a lot of people that, that it just doesn't jive with and again we, we brought up earlier the concept of for the fighting game community this is a lot of new territory and people um, I mean the the idea of fighting game and fighting games in esports is relatively new and for a lot of these players they're they're young in and or they're immature in their understandings of how these things kind of work and I think that that's just yet another example of, hey, we're we're new at this, and we're we're not necessarily. Um, I mean, there's nothing technically wrong with any of the things that Christie has done, but they're not encouraged, right? And and it's like, and they're they're not encouraged for specific reasons. So, um, looking forward to seeing how he does at Capcom Cup, as I think the sole Ken main. Although we might see like someone like is it Big Bird pull out Ken? Although he's been playing a lot of Rashid yeah, Momochi. A bunch of other people like he's he's a reasonably popular character in tournament for being 
not that great. Like he's, he's okay for sure. Um, I mean, based on results alone, you have to give him like, you know, a mid tier ranking or something, but yeah, there's, there's a handful of Kim players actually in there, but again, not so many people main him anymore. Right. Right. Cause it's a lot of it is the thing he does either worked or it didn't. And when it doesn't, it's like, oh, that sucks. And when it does, it's like, great. So yeah, but I am looking forward to see, uh, especially with his recent performances, Christie has brought the hype when he played Bonchan, when he played the mirror against Momochi. Um, I think that was all at SoCal Regionals. The guys earned it, and uh, and he's repping America, and there there aren't a ton of um, of U.S. reps in Capcom Cup, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Uh, we'll be rooting for him, and uh, and hoping that you know it's entertaining for us, right? But hoping that everything ultimately plays out uh, in his best, uh, like for the best for him and for the FGC, and and we'll see what happens in the next chapter of Chris T. Yeah, I, I wish him luck again. I'm a fan of his. Uh, good player, um, and you know, again, hope it works out. Sorry that stuff went sideways, but I agree. Um, speaking of stuff going I sideways, I was hoping you would. Uh, I thought yeah. that exact phrase. I'm like, <laughs> let's go talk about infiltration stuff. Oh boy, yeah. Now this gets really heavy, and it gets into legal areas which we have to be careful of. Uh, so you're going to hear a lot of allegedly, and a lot of this. Um, our reporting here is going not entirely, but very heavily off of the statements that Panda Global put out there with the aid of Capcom. Uh, I'm going to recap a little bit of light history here and just say that Infiltration was accused of assaulting his ex-wife. And the accusations were initially posted on RCAPA. uh, And I think that the the group had actually um, emailed Panda Global initially and, and said like, you know, give those accusations to them directly. Um, and they went and posted on RCAP of all places, which is one of the last places on the internet you want to look for anything that's truthful or accurate or well-reasoned or anything. It's just, it's a toxic waste up pretty much. And they should have gone to the arm blast place. show and done it there. Yeah. Uh, gee, oh, man. <laughs> oh boy. So, Anyway, uh, they put up some pretty hefty statements against infiltration that I I, I barely read over the RCAPA post because I, I looked at it for about two minutes and said, this is a bunch of garbage. Uh, if Yeah. Anyway, but to recap what I remember from it, they basically said infiltration had beaten his ex-wife within like an inch of her life I have or something. The, the beating continued for about an hour, choked her to near death. He was still beating her to put her in unconsciousness in front of the police is it's spelled wrong um and that they, they believe that the player was probably trying to get rid of her and take her condo and assets it's just it's some pretty hardcore accusations um insane yeah. yes and pretty much all those accusations and allegations that they had made towards infiltration had, had turned up being completely completely bogus and completely made up and reading through the documents that panda global had put out there um I want to read a statement here just to give people a little bit more context on this. And this is straight from the document. And it said, we've been informed by legal counsel in the Republic of Korea that the majority of supporting documents may be legally prohibited to be discussed and uh, disseminated publicly. And thus, they cannot be released to the general public. So they were they had some handcuffs put on them in terms of stuff that they could put out there. And. Some of the stuff that came out on R Kappa, obviously a lot of it was made up, but they had some details there that you had to be pretty close to the situation to know some of that stuff of what had happened. Mm-hmm. And 
I highly doubt Infiltration's side went out there and posted that stuff just to, you know, destroy him. I Why would you do that? It doesn't make much sense. And that kind of leads to thinking that, okay, these documents, it's very clear that some of this stuff cannot come out publicly and it's not okay for some of the stuff to come out publicly. That's a, a flat out statement that we got from Panda Global. And yet some stuff came out publicly and so you would think that essentially his ex-wife had to be somewhere in the chain of feeding some of this, this, these documents out here to the, the RCAP of people that posted. That would be the assumption. I don't know if it happened or not, but that's the, if I would put a percentage on it, like I would put a high percentage that that would be the most likely outcome versus some random person of interest got their hands on these documents and fabricated a bunch of things and put it out there. It's like, how would they get their hands on it when we already know from that statement that it's not easy to do? I don't, I'm not highly familiar with the Korean uh, legal system. I don't know all this stuff, but that would be again, the assumption I would make It's where else is it coming from based on that uh, there, but things are not all, you know, puppies and rainbows here for infiltration at, at some point, we believe that, that based on the statements they made, allegedly uh, there was a, a fight over the phone. And at that time, Infiltration's ex-wife uh, had some bruising and a wrist injury that was later reported to uh, medical professionals and then to the police. Uh, and there is apparently, based on the documents that, are, uh, that were released, some evidence of that actually taking place. And, and that's what I believe that's where I believe why Panda Global dropped him and why Capcom suspended him or he agreed to be suspended for two years is pretty much over that incident. And to put that in a little bit more context here for people, Infiltration was fined $630 for um, the violence towards his wife. And it was essentially a misdemeanor battery charge, uh, the equivalent US-wise is what Panda Global said, for what happened there. Um, if you beat the snot out of someone, you're not getting a $630 fine and you're not, you know, getting no jail time or anything like that. You, if you hurt someone that badly, you are, you're, you're going to get Well, it. and the initial and so, post said that he had to pay $20,000 USD. And it's like, well, that, I mean, first of all, that's, that's a, I don't know the specifics of whether or not, you know, that kind of a number is, is equivalent or is, is the kind of price that you would pay if you did beat someone up that bad. But Again, that kind of just calls out the difference between what happened in that initial report or allegation, 20,000 to 630. While there's something there for 630, it very, very much isn't 20,000, you know? Yes. Yes. And again, no jail time, no prison time. Uh, he had a temporary restraining order on him. Um, that's, it is what it is. I think it was for a couple weeks or something. Um, but there was enough there that Capcom and Panda Global felt comfortable disciplining him and, and you know, removing his sponsorship, banning him from the Pro Tour. He obviously went along with that, too. Uh, we can speculate back and forth on the reasons why. I don't really want to. Uh, there's so much here that gets into very heavy legal territory. We're just trying to recap what was basically in the report that people may not have read over. Uh, that's the most important thing um, that we're trying to relay here. So... The resulting injuries that his ex-wife had, by everyone's account, were very light. Um, it wasn't something where she was, you know, near death or anything of that that line. And that's something that medical professionals they reexamined her and other things. Um, 
yeah, it's this is a messy situation. This is a very, very messy situation. And whether they got in a, a scuffle over the phone or not is something that no one else is really ever going to know. Uh, all we do know is that she had some resulting injuries from some kind of thing that happened a few days before she filed something. The injuries were relatively minor. Um, and we don't know. We're never going to know. The only two people who are going to know in that situation is Infiltration and his wife. And it could have been that they were fighting over a phone. We just had an incident here in the U.S. where uh, two a reporter and a White House representative were fighting over a microphone. And some heavy claims were made in terms of, like, what happened there. And I mean, it was all on camera and, and still yeah. heavy claims. And still the, the general public takes it and runs with it. And they – I mean, people run with things because they – they want certain, you know, timelines to be the actual case when, like you said, nobody knows what happened except for those two people. And no one ever will know except for those two people for sure. But I, I think one of the big takeaways, one of the big things I want to personally say about this to people is to not go infiltration, you know, definitively beat his wife, you know, or or that mm-hmm. he he beat the crap out of her, stuff like that. It's like it sounds like they had a, a, a scuffle over a phone, which is Right. Very allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Right. And it's like that's if I were to if I were to have to guess, you know, you put a gun in my head and say, what do you think happened? You have to get to get it right. Like, that's what I would guess is like they they had a scuffle over a phone. And it's like that's not good. But it's again, it is not, uh, you know, it's not someone beating someone up hardcore. And so it's like you just I, I don't don't please don't take this and run with it. You don't know. And it's very, very, it's a big deal. It's somebody's livelihood. It's their life. It's this other person and his wife's livelihood and life. And it's like these kinds of things are, there's too much there for you to like take it and run with it. So getting into the timeline here a little bit, uh, October 22nd, 2017, the alleged altercation happened between player and, and Miss X, uh, infiltration and his ex-wife. Um, and then about a week later, a medical note was issued uh, talking about her injury. And then what follows is a, a 26-page transcript uh, of a 15-minute audio file, apparently, of them going back and forth. Uh, again, the the suspicion there, allegedly, the fight over the phone. Um after that, it was November 2nd, so we're talking about a week and a half uh, after the altercation happened, somewhere around there. Uh, infiltration contacts his ex-wife, uh, say that he wants to come over with his mother uh, to get his belongings from their home that they were living in. And his ex-wife says at that time that she will now not allow him to pick up his belongings unless he continues their relationship that they had and moves back into the home. So even after all this transpired, she wanted to get back with him. Um, that's kind of a thing that I, I think if if you don't even believe that infiltration, like you, you think he did much more than he did, like I don't understand why his, his wife would try to get back with him and try to, you know, reconcile if he beat the living crap out of her, which we don't believe, again, happened at all. Well, to the point where uh, it that, sounds like she's kind of holding his stuff hostage or, or you know, t- that's that's manipulation like that's even deeper than saying i just want to still be in the relationship it's like no i'm gonna do everything that i can to manipulate you into staying with me yeah uh so reportedly with police clearance uh infiltration collects his belongings uh by using a locksmith to get back into their home uh and then later he's expected to pay uh three hundred dollars to repair the broken locks of his condo uh or their condo i should say which he, he paid in full um so 
Another thing that, that's very important to note here is that at this point in time, no lawsuits had happened. Um, the medical note, all that kind of stuff, that had happened, but no actual legal stuff had, had gone into the, the limelight at this point in time. Um, but about two and a half weeks, three weeks after the initial incident, uh, Infiltration had filed a property claim lawsuit against his ex-wife in order to obtain $100,000 that he had made as a down payment on their residence. And then four days later, his ex-wife filed criminal charges against him, uh, alleging a lot of the stuff, or alleging at least some of the things that we've been talking about here. Uh, again, I don't know how much of the R. Kappa stuff was alleged or not. Uh, that's, again, it's R. Kappa. It's how are you supposed to pick up any kind of evidence from that? Uh, and there's, uh, as I, I mentioned at the very beginning of this, the Korean legal system does not allow some of the documents to come out into the public. I'm sure that some of this stuff was in there. They're just, they're not allowed to talk about it. So um, infiltration, you know, pays a $630 fine after he's charged with violence. Um, and the property dispute is actually awarded to infiltration. So he gets some of the money back or maybe all of it or something like that. So anyway, what, why I really wanted to bring up the subject and, and get into it is not because of, of trying to defend infiltration and say, oh, he's you know perfectly fine in this situation. He did nothing wrong. I don't know. But a lot of people are, are taking the initial statements that happened, and especially the stuff from Mark Kappa, and taking it running with it and say, this is exactly what happened. I know it. This guy did this, this, and that. It's like, no... The evidence shows quite a bit different, and then there's also this is also a very messy situation with two people going through a divorce and their relationship ending. Uh, these two people, or I would hope, and I very much assume, very much in love at one point in time, and, and watching a relationship end and fall apart is it's terrible. It's really terrible, and all the stuff that happens, and they're very clearly fighting, like you know, in the legal system and going back and forth. Um, it's just it's good to reserve judgment on a number of these things. I. I personally, and this is just my opinion, I do think that something happened with the phone. I think there's evidence there. I think it's why, again, primarily that, that Panda Global and Capcom did what they did with infiltration. But I don't think that anywhere near what, what people had assumed had, had transpired in any way, shape, or form. And I do want to add on top of all this that infiltration says that he's innocent. Um, and he says he's going to fight this and try to, you know, to deal with it properly. Um, you can think whatever you think of that, you know, that's up to you. Um, but man, is there a lot here? And I really hope people take the time to, to read the documentation that's out there and understand there's so much more here. And if you've just read Twitter or you've just read R Kappa, you really have a very incomplete picture of what has transpired in this case. Uh, and even if you do, excuse me, read all the documents that are up online, you do not have a complete picture of what happened. The only people who really truly know are the two people that are very heavily involved here. It's a very sad case. Um, there's no one coming out here as a winner. There's no one that's very proud of this. Um, one of the things I will mention here that I haven't gotten into uh, is that Infiltration's ex-wife went on Twitter after all this had happened and said that no one got in touch with her and, from Panda Global. Um, and Pl Panda Global states outright that they tried to reach out to her through her legal team. And considering the links that, that Panda Global went to to get this stuff uh, sorted out, they went through you know lawyers, they went through you know legal experts that understand the Korean legal uh, system, translators, like they spent a long time trying to sort through this. Uh, and they flat out said they reached out to her. A bunch of stories went up online uh, talking about Panda Global statements. We ran a bunch of them. Uh, a number of other outlets did. This was a big story. 
I find it hard to believe that they did not reach out to her uh, and, and try to contact her. Why she didn't get that message, I don't know. It's just things are a little bit fishy. It's like, okay, well, how did she not like, how, why did you not reach out to Panda Global? Like they're, they're not hard to find. They're not hard to, to reach out to if you had concerns there. And I'm sure they would have been happy to hear your side of the case. And I'm sure everyone would have been happy to. Um, I'm a hundred percent sure that, that in the past Capcom has reached out to people that have been involved in similar situations with other players in the community. I know for a fact they have, I don't know why they would not reach out to her. Um, again, there's no, been no word about that, but it's just, it's one of those things like it doesn't add up. Like why, like why, why would you go on Twitter and say like, Oh, they never got in touch with me. It's like, okay. I mean, I'm not saying you're lying here, but I don't understand why you had so many issues not being able to reach them. So, it's very messy. Yeah. This is a very messy situation. Uh, it's. I think that the, the community pretty much knows everything they're really going to know. I don't think any major other facts are going to come to light that make a dramatic impact here. And people are like, oh my goodness, this is the biggest revelation ever. Um, I think we know all we're going to know. And, and if you accept infiltration back into the community or you don't, that's completely up to you. You know, if you have hard, hard feelings towards him, um, that's okay. Uh, I just hope that you do research and look into the facts that are out there publicly uh, and that are available to everyone and understand that there's a lot here. Uh, and it's a messy, messy, messy situation. Yeah. And then obviously less severe, but still something worth talking about. It's like we don't get infiltration for Capcom Cup now. You know, we don't get to see him him perform as the as the competitor and the entertainer that he has been in a very significant one. You know, um, in this this last couple of chapters of uh, competitive fighting games, and it's like, uh, and then and then throughout the entirety of 2019, because he said he's not going to be uh, participating um, for for that year as well. And it's like, this just sucks all around. And um, I don't know if there's something to, to to take away from it, like a lesson to be learned or something. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, I guess I, my lesson would be just try to reserve judgment when things happen. Uh, if you if you don't have a very clear picture of what transpired, do try to, to hold judgment and reserve until you know more. Um, that's the biggest thing I could advise here. Uh, that's the biggest takeaway for me. And the thing that I would add on top of it is infiltration is saying that, hey, I'm innocent here. I'm going to prove my innocence. It's possible he's back before the two-year, you know, um, hiatus he basically agreed to with Capcom, uh, especially if he's able to prove in a court of law and, you know, without issue like like hey yeah i am truly innocent here the scuffle all that other kind of stuff you guys have assumed has has happened was actually did not transpire here's proof of it etc uh that's you know that's a game changer in the situation uh but considering he paid you know the medical fine uh there was medical evidence of, of injuries and stuff um that's again why the, i think the decisions were made as they went down but i mean that's kind of the the other outcome here is you know could he be back, be back sooner than anticipated you know might we see him competing you know yeah yeah absolutely and um i mean if he's innocent uh to the extent that he's saying he is then then i really hope so and i really hope that we get him back in the uh, in the community but um yeah i mean i guess lesson learned <laughs> you know don't don't screw around with with this kind of stuff and Ugh, yeah. So we we cannot end the podcast on that. <laughs> we're we're going to change up subjects here just to get off of that because boy is that a rough thing. Mm. Um, and I'll I'll just go ahead and, and 
uh, switch us over here because we're, we're right on the cusp here of, of season four and we're looking at new balance changes coming into the, you know, the mix. And we're looking at, you know, a great Capcom cup tournament that's going to be happening. Um, I think one of the, the bigger takeaways I can have right now is people aren't complaining about the game so much anymore. It's, it's, you know, the balance is, you know, what it is. Uh, most people are okay with it. They're like, it's, it's something you mentioned to me just the other day, actually. And you said, like, you know, people are, you know, talking about different things. Like, I'm just playing the game. Like, I'm just having fun with it. That's what I'm doing now. And I think we're seeing more and more of that. Like, there's less complaints about numerous issues out there. And, and people are just enjoying what they're doing. And, and I'm curious, like, are you seeing more of that? Like, not all over the place. It takes time for people to get away from, you know, like, I want to complain about everything. Like, and, and uh but are you seeing just more people kind of just sitting down and enjoying the game for what it has to offer? Yeah, the history of Street Fighter V in this particular avenue is is very, I don't know, biased or tilted because it's had such a bad look for such a long time with a few saving graces. You know, it's like I have input lag and an incomplete launch and balance problems, whatever. The long list of things that people had, you know, complained about. You go back far enough, even stuff like rage quitting going unchecked. And there was a lot to complain about. And if we've garnered just one thing from this podcast thus far, it's that people like to take stuff and run with it on social media. And so for a long time, a big part of the identity of Street Fighter V was, I don't like Street Fighter V because, and then fill in the blank with whatever. Mm -hmm. And so a a big part of that is, like, they fixed a lot of things, right? From the input lag to to character balance, to having enough game modes, having single-player content, yada yada. There's been quite a few uh, very clear attempts by Capcom, and successful attempts, I should say, to make the Street Fighter V experience better. And now people don't have as much to complain about, so I think we're losing a decent amount of our audience, um, of, of the Street Fighter audience, I should say, because... Uh, they're more around or they've or they've grown to know the game as something where they can kind of just gather around the water cooler and talk crap. And there's this, obviously there's an allure in that. But, mm-hmm. um, but that does make way for people that are going to be more serious about it and people that are going to play it with intent and see it as a, um, you know, we might, it, it might be that we can start seeing the game as a more valid um, entity in the fighting game realm. Mm-hmm. Because a, a big part of it has been, to say that this game just isn't valid. I mean, that's what people are essentially saying in not so many words, you know, because, well, the input right. lag or, you know, and and some, and the the definition of valid for, for each individual varies, right? Because there's no, like, there's no single fighting game rubric out there to say if you hit these check marks, then your game is good. It's, it's you know, up to the individual and you hope that most individuals choose to to see your game in a, in a positive light. But for so many people, it's like, well, this game isn't valid because it's not Street Fighter 4 or because it's not Street Fighter 3 mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so, but um, yeah, I, I have seen that people are more willing to just, hey, you know, you want to you want to sit down and play some Street Fighter 5? Like, that's a thing we can do. And, and yeah, we don't have to talk about the input lag and we don't have to talk about the shoddy launch and we don't have to talk smack about Ono, things like that. And you're just sitting down and playing a fighting game. And, and it might not be the best of all time for some people. But it's worth it's worth sitting down and playing. And you know, um, just last night we here in Tucson have a um, have a weekly gathering at a bar uh, near Col- near the uh, University of Arizona. And um, not a lot of people have been going. It, it kind of started maybe a year and a half ago, and a handful of people would show up. And I haven't been in probably about a year's time or so, just because the the drive to play wasn't really there and such. But 
after this um, balance patch happened, or I'm not not balance patch, the um, the input lag patch happened. Uh, there is some. It started on social media, just this little bit of a spark of, hey, we can we can begin to investigate this game on a more valid level all of a sudden. And it took a few weeks because that was you know, three or four weeks ago that 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 patch happened. But last night, like like ten people showed up to play Street Fighter Five, and then you know a few more for other games as well. And we sat there and we had like an old school rotation, but we weren't just sitting and playing and trying to win casuals. Everybody, like there was the two seats that of people that were playing and then there were two seats right behind them and you, you had more often than not people sitting in those seats coaching and actively trying uh-huh. to investigate. Um, and it went along with uh, what we talked about again, you know, the, the idea of playing footsies, you know, but for me, it's like we have a Zangief player that's pretty good. And so we were talking about how to deal with Zangief because you don't see that character as much, you know, because he's just not very good. Right. But um, instead of playing to win, we were playing to get better instead of playing to um, to defeat the specific players that we're all, you know, pretty familiar with each other's play style, and we know the kind of tricks that'll work on certain players. We were playing to beat the characters. So it's like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if I'm playing against Orlando, that's the guy's name, Zangief, or I'm playing against, well, Zangief's not a good example because no one plays Zangief, but it doesn't matter if I'm playing against his or Itabashi's or Snake Eyes if, uh, if they pick the character back up. What I'm practicing and what I'm trying to do is going to work against anybody. And, hmm. um, but the, the point is we had never sat down and played with that kind of intent. We did that kind of stuff with street fighter four, but there is a new fire, at least in my local community, at least right now, we'll see how long it lasts, but it's there right now where we are actively, we, we see the game as valid enough to pursue it where we go out on a Tuesday night to this bar downtown and we sit with each other and we wait through these long, like there's 10 people. That's a long time to play two out of threes and wait your turn after you lose. But we're sitting there and we're trying to soak in the knowledge. And instead of just like getting up and going and getting a beer when it's not your turn, you sit there and you're trying to actively observe and get better. And so if our example here is any indicator, I would say, yes, the game is being seen as more valid, as more worthwhile. And people are being uh, are starting to warm up to the idea that they can pursue it and have some meaning behind it. So I don't know if that answered your initial question there, but that was a takeaway that I got from <laughs> from our uh, playing last night. That's a great story. And and with that, we're going to say goodbye for this episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I want everyone out there to have a happy Thanksgiving. Spend some time with your family. You know, do your Street Fighter, do your Marvel, do your Dragon Ball Fighters, Tekken, all that kind of stuff. Like, go have fun, but make sure. You take some time with your family. Um, you never know when you know life is very crazy and all that. So you you want to value and, and respect that time that you get there, and, and go enjoy yourself. Go have some fun. Eat too much turkey, um, and, and and go have fun. And That's go, all I got. And watch this the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because I think Dream King is working on the story right now. But there's going to be a giant Goku blue, I think, um, balloon in the uh, the parade this year. So Dragon Ball Z. I don't know if they've. Been- if they've been uh, Dragon Ball Z characters in the parade before, but it looks like there's going to be a Dragon Ball Super character there. So, hey, right on. Yeah, you, you could not pay me enough to watch a Macy's Day Parade. But anyway. Um. <laughs> it was on every day, every Thanksgiving day as I was growing up. And you hate that stuff, huh? Uh, it's it's just boring. It's the most boring thing ever. And Oh, boy. But yeah, I don't want to crap on Thanksgiving. It's great. I love Thanksgiving and all that. So anyway, we are out of here. Look out for the Goku float, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, guys.